This is the Minivan Dad Soccer Pod. Oh, it's incredible! You could not write a script like this! The only podcast where the host actually admits to driving a minivan. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be And now your host, TJ. And here we go again with the Minivan Dad Soccer Pod. I'm your host, TJ, tonight, and I am joined by only one half of the U.S. Fan TV legends, legendary crew. I have Pat with me tonight. Hat Guy Pat. Hello. I would like to be addressed officially as U.S. Soccer 11v11 and 9v9 in-person licensed coach Hat Guy Pat. Right, so well, you're, so you are now fully grassroots licensed. You have all of them, correct? I do, and I believe you do too as well. Since I you sat there with me, I did sit there with you, and um, I guess that's a good enough place to start the show. Is we can kind of review our our Saturday out in DeKalb. Nice little I, Saturday. It was a nice little Saturday. We, as we mentioned in last week's show, Pat and I went out to complete our two in-person courses required to complete the grassroots license out at DeKalb through DeKalb United to become. U.S. soccer grassroots soccer coaches. Now, the first thing I want to point, I'll start with is the cost of it. Which in the in U.S. soccer coaching circles, there is a lot of unhappiness. We'll just say it. Basically, it's a bunch of crap. They say the soccer coaching licenses are not accessible to everyone. And we found, and finding classes around yeah, here. Yeah, there's two components to that. Yes. It, the classes are, as you were just about to say, the classes are hard to get in and find sometimes. Like you have to go to the website all the time. They'll suddenly pop up and then they're full because they only take 12 people or whatever. Um, they're full just as quickly as they pop up. So you've got to like see, find one at the right moment, just as you did while watching Formula One in the middle of the night. And then you have to like strike immediately. So you have to you know, assess your schedule, know whether it'll work and jump in it right away. And then the other issue is the cost. And as I was going to mention, ours, we found one that was reasonably priced. It was. Yeah, that's the. There's like a. Yeah, there's like a like a like a frame, like a sort of outline of what these these courses should cost. And the grassroots ones are almost always priced at one hundred and twenty five dollars per course. So we would had to have paid two hundred and fifty dollars for the two to get the two licenses to move on to the national D. Uh, and this is one of the arguments, like, as you get up, like it, it goes from national, like D is 375, C is 1675, B is 3000 and A is 4000. So one of the arguments you hear all the time is that U.S. soccer sitting on their surplus of money that they're not using to grow the game could be subsidizing the cost of improving coaching in America by lowering these costs, but they don't. Uh, but this class was $55 per session, so 110 total. I didn't view that as being outlandish for what we got. We had a great teacher, and um, it was a it was a good experience. So, so, and it, so for that, we're just going to start off. I'm going to say thank you on our pod that not many listen to necessarily, but th- thank you to DeKalb, um, DeKalb United and Zach Ludwig, who is the who was the the instructor of the course. He also is part of um, was United Soccer Coaches. And yeah. He is the women's coach at College of DuPage. So, and the overall experience, I'm just going to start with the word interesting. I, I guess I didn't know what to expect walking into the day other than I felt like it was going to be another rehash of what the two online courses we had done previously, the 4v4 and the 7v7. Yeah. And it really was. Um, uh, to some degree. And I, I, I feel like, um, you know, the overall themes are like play, practice, play, and um, no lines. Make sure you're, uh, it, it's, you know, you're, you're engaging kids and making it fun. Ask open-ended questions. You, and you get all that in the online courses. I do feel like that our teacher, because the bulk of us were sitting there for two straight classes that were basically going to be the same verbiage if you wanted them to be is slightly tweaked for 11 v 11. He did a better job of in the second four hour session going into more kind of in-depth questions and that sort of thing. So it could have been 
if he had gone with the framework of the course, kind of lame. But I think we lucked out and we had a good instructor who made it interesting. It was also, do we want to discuss the, it really was a great cross section of people who are taking the class. Agreed. Well, let's, we could, let's touch on that because it is, it was interesting. Uh, we had a gentleman who came from, was it three hours downstate Illinois? Yeah. South of Springfield in full camo. Um, and yet he was cool. Like, like, like everybody, everybody was cool. There was like a, a college girl who's a grad assistant at, at one of the local colleges. She was, I think she was probably the best coach among us. Um, there was, uh, there was some guys from like Chicago fire juniors and, and other clubs, uh, who, you know, they looked like soccer coaches when they walked in the room. And then there were some other guys who you would never have guessed that they were, they were soccer coaches. And, um, those guys were the ones that tended to step up and coach the sessions and, you know, it, it was a really, like, you and I both did this too. Uh, it was a really bizarre experience coaching because they brought in kids for us, it, which I didn't realize they would do, but I guess it makes sense in hindsight. And we, we coached a session. We all, you know, broke it up and coached the different parts of it. And you've got kids who you've never met before. And in our case, it was, you know, late high schoolers because we did the 11 v 11 who we've never met before. We're running through this session plan. We don't know their names. And you've got all the other coaches. There's got a guy grading you, and then all the other coaches standing behind, kind of watching. And it was an incredibly awkward situation, like un- not awkward, but uncomfortable. You're totally out of your comfort zone. You know, I, if I'm like I did, you know, the last three days, I coach kids that I know their names and I'm used to them. I've I've had them for you know a while, and I'm comfortable with them. But at this, I was just like, this is what I do every day, but I'm completely out of my element right now like it feels and it's it's a bizarre situation but i feel like because it was uncomfortable i was uncomfortable it probably made me better which is what we need so no and 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 you're exactly right is it was the the ones that you didn't look like soccer coaches they were the ones really leading the discussion weren't afraid to ask questions afraid to start the dialogue where it seemed like I, I hate to say it, the ones that looked like soccer coaches and had been down this road before were just checking the box. Like, we already right. know this. We're better than this. And I don't know that they felt that way. They were all really nice people. I, 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 and I, I, you're, you're 100% right. Everybody there was incredibly nice. But it and was the other more. Thing is I will say that some of the soccer coaches, I'm doing air quotes, mm-hmm. uh, there might have been a language issue there a little bit, and they were uncomfortable stepping up and doing it in English some more than others. So correct. I did hear, actually did hear a couple of them mention that and that's, and that's fine. But it just, like I said, it was the ones you didn't expect were the ones that stepped into the void and ran each one of these. We'll say there were three session, three parts in the morning, the play, the practice and the play. And then the three in the afternoon, which you and I had two of the three sections. Um, not that we don't look like, well, we didn't look like soccer coaches, but it was, it was just, it was great to see such a cross section and the, fa- and again, my hats off to Zach for, especially in the 11 v 11 spurring conversation, just allowing those conversations to happen, allowing that input to come up and forcing those discussions into areas you may not be comfortable, but I think overall made, make you a better soccer coach because you hear opinions and ideas you may never have considered and how to get the best out of a practice. So it was, in that sense, it was, yeah. it was, that was actually the second half was outstanding to go through that. So again, yeah. it was just, go ahead. you know, I, 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 not to pull a Chris here, but I have three quick points I'd like to make. So I'm not going to talk for too long, but just kind of bigger picture sort of points here. And one is the fact that it was a cross section of people from, you know, downstate Illinois camo wearing guys to, regular Joes to Eastern European soccer coaches and Mexican soccer coaches who have moved to America to us, you know, two idiots to women to um, goes to show how popular this game is. Cause if you think of the level of coaching that we had when we were kids and I know yours was better at, at the club level than I ever got to, but 
Um, like the idea of a soccer coach when like everybody seemed to be making it up or a lot of people were when we were kids and now they're like the kids today have access to lots of coaches who are actually like self-reflecting and trying to be better. And that brings me to my second point in that anybody from, you know, the most experienced people to new people, you know, if you're one of the more experienced people, it can be easy. And I can tell you this because I do this somewhat after doing this a while you sort of step into some like your experience level causes you to step into some like you know certain things are going to work and so sometimes you don't try new things because you know that what you're doing is 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 going to work and so that's the point of these classes is that when we all come together and talk about it you can kind of see how other people do things and get a sense of you know well I could I could maybe do this differently or I could, I've never thought of this. And then the third point is that from a really big picture standpoint, what U S soccer wants us all to be doing right now. And, and if you're a soccer fan, you may not be aware of what is going on at the grassroots level is that this play practice play thing. So the whole traditional, it used to be, if you took a course five years ago, it used to be, you would do a training session with some sort of square barrier, it's non-directional to start. You're, you're basically teaching people to dribble around, head up, not go out of bounds, that sort of thing. And then you go to some, they, they got rid of drills with lines a long time ago, but then it was maybe you would do something with, uh, with gates or something like that. And then you would do a scrimmage. And really now there's an emphasis on get the kids playing the second they get there in a small sided game. And then as the kids show up, you're dropping them into different small sided games and getting them playing and you let them play for a long time, like 30 minutes. And then you do a 30 minute practice portion, which is, you know, that's where it's a little more, you could change the setup. You could do three V two or, or six V five or something like that. A scenario type thing with like a, a daily keyword and question that you're trying to get them to think about when you do it. And then the end, and I found this interesting, they play soccer. Like, however many people you have, like, let's say, even if you're a 9v9 team, but you have 14 players, you're going 7v7. You're going with the maximum amount of, like, to make it as close to an actual game as you possibly can. Which, uh, the setup allows for two-thirds of it is play. So, the idea is that the kids will want to keep playing if it's mostly fun. The middle part is where you get the, the meat of the work in. Uh, and the, but, the first, the first part's kind of freer and the last part's kind of like actual game. So I like the idea behind it, but there were, there were questions we still have about how certain things work. Sure. And I, and I was going to jump into that and even the, the practice quote, and I'm, again, we're using air quotes here. The practice is a lot of playing too. It's just, it's right. scenario driven play. You know, you're it, like the, we were doing attacking, Attacking to a goal, counterattacking back through two wide gates, right? Like Correct. That, that's a pretty standard one. So right, but it, the whole concept you're still you're still just gameplay. It's game playing through, through scenarios, right? That you're going to experience, and then um, I think in the other one we did five v three, and then we switched it to five v four with the littler kids, which is you know trying to teach them to switch the field, create numbers. Uh, you know how can they eliminate a defender or or uh, you know, at least pull a defender out of the play with a run. That sort of thing is what we were trying to teach. Um, and I can tell you from working somewhat at a club, this is not what a lot of people are doing. So th- this is, you know, th- this is, it's based in, you know, they say it's based in research and science and and, and thinking about kids' brains and how kids learn and, but um, one of the questions that I had is, at least at our club, there's a huge emphasis at the beginning stages of teaching kids how to manipulate the ball and be confident on the ball. And the passing kind of comes later. So we're interested in creating dribblers to start. And then once they're comfortable having the ball at their feet, so you don't have the kid that just kicks it away the second he gets it. Once they're comfortable, then you then you break them apart and try to teach passing. But that doesn't seem to jive with play practice play play practice play seems like it's a lot of soccer which yeah 
I think the great part about that is that you're going to keep kids playing longer because practice is more fun and they want to go. Um, but, but, but I do but, wonder but, if we're sacrificing dribbling. Perhaps, perhaps. I mean, and that's, that's something I think us, what us soccer does is it's giving you a framework of ways they think work and what the ideas they work best but you can adjust your practices to do that. If you want to emphasize dribbling, you make your games 1v1. You make your games... You can do that, yeah. You, you can, can always manipulate yeah. any of right. these things to to force the what you want out of these workouts. But... Yeah, you know, 1v1 is play. Like, that is considered to be play. You, you still... And I do, I do really love the idea that... And I, I see this a lot at our... You know, where I watch my son and where I coach, too, that, like... The small side of games are awesome and they're better long term for developing because, you know, you can't hide in a small side of game there. You get more touches. It's 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 awesome. But there are some of these kids that get to seven V seven or nine V nine. And they're like, I don't know what to do because there's so much like you have the ball for if you're a great center mid, what, five to eight percent of the game, you'll have the ball. So even for the, the players that have the most touches, they don't have the ball most of the time. So like a real soccer game is so much movement without the ball. And you get people who play the 3v3 triangles and they can do that well. But once you're asking a winger to make a run to, to pull a defender with them and stretch or, or dropping defensively and tightening up when you get near the goal or things like that, the players just, they don't get that ever so and you can always tell the players that I, along the same lines you can always tell the players that watch soccer and the ones that don't because the ones that watch soccer can get it that way so but yeah I, I think it's overall a really good idea but i i want to see more of it and actually do more of it to kind of feel out and how good of idea is and i you know, you know and i guess I've never the, the concept is it, to me is, is very simple and i think i've even said this on the show before is how many kids do you know that quit playing a sport because there are too many games? Yeah, it's not, it's not many. No, not many. It's it's the practice usually drives them out. So that seems to be the overarching concept for U.S. soccer. And then let's extrapolate that a little further is that grassroots is exactly that. It's not blood and death, tryout right. club, cutting soccer. Right. It's let's get as many kids involved as we can at the lower levels, get them into playing atmosphere under the idea that, hey, the more you play, the more you hopefully will enjoy the game and want to keep continuing it. You know, and, and I've, I I believe it's been mentioned on the show before, but I, especially with kids at, at younger ages, I think the goal of every coach should be to not be that kid's last coach. Yeah, you said that in the class. I thought that was a good point. And inevitably and I, and there will be some, but. And there, there inevitably will be some because they just they don't like soccer. They don't want to be outside. They have other interests. But your goal should always at the younger ages should always be that to try and keep them going to the next level to find that level of enjoyment. You know, like, like you and I are soccer junkies. Obviously, we do. I we do a soccer pod. You did, you know, started U.S. Fan TV. And it was interesting in our class that we had guys that their kids were fully grown, that they were giving back to the game. And that to me, mm -hmm. that fascinated yeah. me as well is you, these are people that love the game of soccer and want to give back to be able to give up a Saturday and sit there and go through these classes, teaching complete strangers and so on and so forth. That makes me optimistic about the future. The play, the play practice play model I have tried with, with uh, kindergarten classes with, with, with coaching Charlie. And I, I agree. I, I felt like there are skills that are not gained during that. Um, ball skills, you know, like step overs, pullbacks, things like that. And maybe they figure it out on their own. Maybe they don't. And, and I think Zach, I think Zach during the course of the class said, Hey, this would be a great time to do this and you can demonstrate it and see if they can learn it on their own. I think there's got to be a point of some of those drills need to be implemented, but yeah, I'm not, I, I, I think that, you know, for me, I, I know some coaches are huge on juggling and I am, big on juggling but i think it should occur entirely away from the practice field because that's something that you can do at home pretty easily um but you know and, and then after a certain age 
you know, the, the, the basic moves are, and I still, in my little kid class, I teach a pullback, I teach a rake just to kind of get the kids. It's, it's not to teach them the name of the move or the, to do it because they won't do it in a game for a long time. Be like without thinking it's just basically ball manipulation it's hey you can touch it with the bottom of your foot or you can touch it with the side of your foot um are you, are you sure about that you do see it but it takes weeks like it's you not have, right you're not going to do it after trying it once or twice yeah but i i i watch because charlie's club they do they that's how part of getting warmed up and ready to play is they they practice their their ball, their ball skills, and in a game, they're all none of them are afraid to try them. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, and we we actually encourage like we would rather you if you're going to try a scissors or whatever. Say if you get you know maybe you're five or six and you want to break out your first one, we would rather you try it and screw it up than either in practice or in the game than not try it at all. Like we want you to try, and try and try and try. So it's. It's we encourage it big time, but we start with teaching that and it's never in a line or anything like that, but we do a lot of like we open a lot of our practices with a square type game, like a red light, green light type thing where we're checking your listening skills. And these these are little kids. So it's um, like I could I could have them come out and jump in a two V two and they might really like that. But I've got things I want to teach them before they get to go play. So I, I, but I get it. I get the overall point. And I think it's, the idea is good. Um, well, I think, I think when it comes down to Pat is you need more reflection time. I do. I do. Which. I'm going to write a long we, paper. Which is the one part we haven't really discussed yet is. Yeah. The other part of these grassroots programs. And it sounds like as you move up, it's no differences reflection everything is about reflection what things you know we had to write short narratives or sentences on so on the two of the six elements of of coaching what two things do you feel strongest about what two things do you feel we are your weakest things what's your learning plan and what actions are you taking to implement And, and you had to do this throughout the entire thing and i think it was like five or six different things yeah. And it sounds like as you move in my preview of this, of the D license, it's that on steroids and they want us soccer. wants you after every practice to like write down a few notes and reflect upon every practice session. Yeah. It's it. Okay. The idea is a very good one. And I actually, after my practices, whether it's the three and four year olds or the, the little older kids, I, kind of assess what worked what didn't work how many kids were engaged and how i like what i was like so i I do that that in practice all the time but what i didn't like was some of the prompts and i know you have to have something but the things i would wanted would have wanted to reflect about were maybe different than what u.s soccer was asking me to reflect about in these boxes and i feel like some for some of them like I don't really know what to write here. And I'm a fucking writer by nature. Like this is, I felt bad for the people who were like, like, this is what I did professionally for 15 years. I don't know what you guys are going to be writing. I could come up with shit out of my ass all the time, but realistically, realistically, pretty much every human being on the planet can just, we'll point that fact out for you. Sure. Okay. But well, yeah, I, I felt like some of the props were like, like, which two? I'm like, I don't know that there are two in this case. But like in this in this box, there's probably more I would want to write about. But the prompt only said, you know, X and Y. So I I didn't enjoy that. And I am a very self-reflective person. And I like I said, I'm also a writer. So that just, that so part just, felt awkward. It, and it felt, it felt incredibly awkward. And in the sharing your feelings in front of somebody you've talked to for a day who's going to be evaluating this. I'm going, this is a whole lot of weird. Yeah. But like the stuff, like the, the very, the easiest one to write was today's session, you know, how did it go? What'd you feel good about? And what didn't you like? That's yes. Great. Yes. 
you and I both coached, there's things we thought we did well and there's things we didn't. And that's like a very natural thing to reflect upon. But like looking at this, this, you know, session plan, my answer inside was really, yeah, that looks fine. I have no issues with that. Let's do it. I get it. I understand it. I don't have any strong points or weak points. Like, like, let's go. And, but I had to come up with, tell me two things that are good. Tell me two things that are bad. Tell me what your, your educational needs are and tell me what your action plan is. So I didn't like the shoving it all in these boxes thing that U.S. soccer wanted us to do. And as our instructor said, I think you could pretty much get away with writing anything, but I including, wanted, including fuzzy butterflies. Right. But I wanted to do, and I'm sure you did too, a good job. It just felt, for some of them, I'm like, and then when you take the 9v9 and the 11v11, they're the exact same questions. And so for some of them, like t- like the ones where you're talking about the actual session that you ran, you're going to have different answers because it was two different sessions. And it's your, but like the other ones, like, how are you going to engage parents? I wanted to write the same way I said on the other one. Right. It, it, that it, doesn't well, change. It, it, but it, you know what though? I disagree. I did answer that one differently because, because of the you age know, of the players. Because because of the age of the players. Okay, yeah. You I, know, yeah, and I tried to do that. Too. Like our our eleven v and we're, I want to kind of get. We've been on this for a while, but our eleven v eleven session, we had two kids that just got in their cars and left. We did. They had something else to something else to do. Yeah. They thought I sucked. Apparently. Well, I mean it's the truth so um meanwhile i was calling off sides every two minutes but yet yet i digress <laughs> off. hey hey we'll, we'll come back to that but it, like, to sum up the point is engaging parents on an 11 v 11 especially with the age that we are working with isn't it going to be as important because the parents aren't as involved when the kids are driving themselves to work out so that is different than versus a 9v9 where the parents are heavily involved you might you're probably still going to have some helicopter parents potentially and you're going to have parents yeah. letting go you're going to have your parents I don't know, like, running, you're going to run into parent parents are going to be on perched on every sidelines probably yelling at the assistant referees and so on and so forth so it's a lot different dynamic um and then i want to finish with this because i thought it was fun um so as pat said we each we each were given the play sessions for the 11 v 11 pat had the free play session i had the structured full game session and we were instructed treat it like a real game and try and get try and get high school kids who you've never met before to try and treat it like a real game that's a challenge let me tell you um, because they all really were just kind of going through the motions and kicking the ball around the goalkeepers were dribbling out and screwing around and and it's kind of what you would expect they were having fun but they they knew nothing was on the line this. Sure. They knew nothing was on the line. They knew they weren't going to get benched or anything like that. It was they were probably told to show up, so a bunch of them did. But we were instructed in that last session to make it as real of a game conditions as you possibly can. He said, "Call rules as the regular game," and so I did. So I'm calling offsides as I'm going through it, and then halfway through this this last play session, our 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 class leader Zach decides he's going to coach one team. I'm going to coach the other team. And meanwhile, apparently there was a dialogue going on the other side of the field with Zach, with the other coaches, talking about how I'm calling every offside. It was with me. And he's it was calling with me specifically. With you specifically. Yeah. And he's calling, I'm calling offsides and he was not. He's letting everything go. Now, I'd like to just finish with it. That's not my fault. He said <laughs> call every foul. If he wanted were, to, yes. he could do. He could have done it. He chose not to. It's his fault. Don't whine about something you choose not to do. That's like complaining you fall on the ice on your sidewalk because but you never bothered to shovel it, you know? <laughs> so, but overall it, we've been on this for about a half hour, it, but it was a great experience. I think, um, and again, thanks to Zach and, uh, DeKalb United. And if United soccer coaches had was in, were involved and just, it was a great day. I learned, I learned a lot more out of it than I thought. I thought it was just going to be a complete regurgitation of the grassroots that I'd already done online. And it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. So yeah, and I would say if you are a coach and you've never, like if you're a rec league coach or whatever listening and you've never taken one of these, throw down 25 bucks and take one of the uh, online courses. And you can do the, whatever you coach, whatever age group you coach, take that one. If you've got two hours to spend and and kind of, you know, it's only, you're only spending 25 bucks, you get a nice little piece of paper and see what you think about 
what our federation is is telling us because I think at this level it's pretty good. I do wonder if we're you know based on how we kind of feel about U.S. soccer and some of the the, the big picture decisions they make are, are you know as, as we get higher in the licensing, I wonder what they're really saying and if it's any good. But I think for the rec league grassroots type coach for the ones that are actually bothering to take these things i think it's a pretty good primer for what you should be doing well and that's mainly just like you said don't be their last coach be generally positive you know but you know what but but u.s soccer uses this you know the d license that i guess when you're starting to get into more the higher the higher level competitive but they really want this for a lot more than just rec league soccer. I think they want it for they want it for club soccer too. They want the emphasis to be on play. Yeah, this is what they want. Yes. Now, I and again I, we've talked about this, and I, I I don't think that's a bad thing. I still don't think it's a bad thing, and I'm not talking about just even getting kids engaged. I think what they looked at is their their previous coaching program, and realistically, the results of this the previous coaching program is what we just ran into for this last world cup qualifying cycle, what we're living through right now, this dead period. I think they looked at their, their coaching program and said, this program does not work with way the game is going today, where you need to be able to think on your own. You need to have every tool in your bag. You need to have creativity on your own, not just regurgitating where the next pass should be by looking at it, everything to the outside, everything to the outside, cross it down the, you know, when you get to the attacking half cross, it's of course. Yeah. I, I, I was think, watching the game where that happened the other night. It was they were like robots, and I I, I feel like that might have been what they looked at it. This gen, this generation that just came through and shat the bed um, in terms of World Cup qualifying, they probably looked at their own coaching program and realized this does not work, or what the academies were starting to output. So they have to revamp. So they went back to revamp it, looking at how does it work with today's kids, where the game is going, the various types of games like pep and um and your and clop and so on and so forth it's a different game now so you got to be able to adjust to it and what better way to get better at playing games is to play soccer and get back and maybe they looked at what you see you always hear the stories about south america and parts of europe where kids play pick up soccer all the time and that's where they get exposed to everything yeah that's the idea well why not use that why not have a structured version of that where you have some guidance as you go, but the concept's still the same. So, yeah, I and mean, that's that is the uh, the big picture, right? Like that the idea that South America creates creative players because there's a lot of free play, and so U.S. soccer, knowing that there isn't a ton of free play outside, there isn't a ton of play period outside of soccer practice in this country. It's getting better, but it's still bad. Um, they wanted to at least incorporate some in the practice sessions so i guess we'll know in 10 years yeah and thankfully for those who are listening if you've survived this far this will be the last we probably really adjust talk about soccer coaching till we go through our our d licensing which will be sometime next year and i'm sure it'll come up again but so let's move on um we had a couple of events today where do we want do you know we're Chicago. We're Chicago-based. The two of us, you know, Chris is up north of the Cheddar Curtain, so and he couldn't join us because I guess he had something better to do, or he didn't. Really, not sure which. One Velko Panovic was given the shoe today. Yeah, a little surprising. A little bit surprising I mean, that it happened, or the timing. The timing for me. I mean, it, that it happened. I kind of expected it would have happened after the season. Um. Not that, and as I've said before many times on this show and on US Fan TV, I'm not generally a fire the coach guy. I'm not the person who goes there right away. Just so happens, I kind of do want, I, I do definitely want my club coach, Unai Emery, fired. And I, the only reason I don't want Greg Verhalter hired is honestly because I don't, fired is because I don't believe they'll hire somebody better. I have no faith in them to do it. But, but Pano, I always liked. And it's weird to like a coach who's, you know, Mediocre, mediocre results three for four years. pretty crappy seasons yeah or four years and but i never felt it was him i always felt it was what he was given by by nelson so um for nelson to still be there and for for pano to be out unless they've got somebody in mind who's going to be great and 
Arsene Wenger's off the table now. So, um, is he? He just went to FIFA. Again, is he? I don't think I, he would have gone to FIFA to only join the Chicago Fire, but I was joking. But, um, but yeah. I, 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 I realistically, when you're talking about coaches that take who have expressed interest in clearly getting back on the sidelines and doing that again, taking an administrative role means they're wait, they just they're doing something to pass sure, the time. Maybe. When they get an opportunity um, that pays well enough or is the right opportunity, they'll jump on it. No, there, there's no way Arsene Wenger is going to be coming to the Chicago Fire. However, but to sit there and say he went to FIFA, he's out of play, that's not true either. It's He's passing the time until something else comes up. I do know somebody who's available in Los Angeles who could come coach us. Okay. Jurgen. True. Do you think so? No, he he just took a he, – well, he too, like, like Arsene Wenger. He, but he is in a – Consulting role with uh, Hertha Berlin. Oh, that's right. I did see that. I did see that. Yeah. Ironically, you know, but um, the timing to me with Pano was a little bit weird. Now, you said you don't think Pano was the problem. He was dealing with the hand he was dealt. Now, the we there's been discussion. If anybody who's a Fire fan will say that there are a lot of people who thought Pano was always overmatched. Never really seemed to have a set plan. Never seemed to have the players to do the and. I don't know if he never had a plan because he never had the players to do to execute. Yeah, my point or, on that is that if you look at the expected goals of the fire last year, based on the number of shots that they took and the number of chances they created, I think Pano was doing his job. The fire could not finish. And I sure. think and like they, they were, they, that was definitely why they missed the playoffs. It, the finishing was horrendous. So and the defending and the defending was yeah, bad. Yeah. It, it, there, yeah. it, it, with the way it seemed like with the fire to me, the, the overarching theme of the season was the games they were expected to win. They would dominate the games and their defending would be horrendous a couple of times. The games I think of specifically are the FC Cincinnati games. Yeah. And they'd lose the games. You didn't expect them to win Atlanta United, Atlanta United. Um, well, with the Jackstomp, then I mean Minnesota United wound up being a nice win. Philadelphia later in yeah. the year, yeah. Toronto, the draw with Toronto, they, they it was the missed opportunity. It was the missed. Their defending was good. They missed their chances going forward, or they they got they made their chance. And but you know, I, I one of the themes that seems to be coming out of this is they really took that whole by cutting. Getting rid of Pano, you had Schweinsteiger retiring, you traded Dax McCarty. It's like the core, the heart and soul of that group of players yeah. that didn't make yeah. anything more than getting their asses kicked in the first in a play-in game in the four years or three and a half years, two and a half years or whatever Basti was here for. It's time to move another direction. Um, and you have Nico, who's out of contract and is moving on, and I, they have, what, five or six players under contract and that's it? So they're... It's going to be a incredibly not just with you know stadium and logo and jerseys, but players. It's going to be a very very different Chicago Fire team next year. Yeah, it, it absolutely will. But it, it but I guess that was with, with Pano was did he really have a plan? Like I said, I always felt his plan was to try to have a team that was had enough different capabilities that he could play. His team's goal was to play to the weakness of the other team instead of saying trying to impose their will. He, it seemed like his philosophy was, I'm going to take what you guys don't do well, and I'm going to try and cap- capitalize on it. If if that meant, you know, playing back, sitting back, and it was weird because some games they would be high press, other teams they'd sit back and defend the whole time, and you never knew quite what you're getting. I felt that was his strategy, but again, so Panovich is gone, and... So does he get the USU 20 job now? I You know, and I, I saw that on Twitter, and... Lives I, in Chicago. Won a U20 World Cup. I, and again, as I told you, and, and that was um, from Brooks Turnstall, was uh, I I think that's, I hate to say it, I don't think that's a bad idea. This is somebody. I don't either. I don't either. It seemed, and that was one of the, seemed like the shortcomings for Panovich was he didn't know how to handle a full club season, but over short periods, they were really good. Like his ideas were good. So maybe with a group, he only sees a handful of times a year, and he's scouting the rest of the time. Maybe there is no coach of the U20s right now, is there? No, right. So I, I yeah, it, 
I think it'd be a good fit. I, I real I really do. Like he's won a, a U twenty World Cup, so he's got that pedigree. Um, and again, in terms of motivating players, that never seemed to be the problem with this side. You never saw thought he lost the locker room. I didn't. Yeah, there were ex players who couldn't stand him. Go figure. Yeah, there. You know, there. Somebody else pointed out today. Well, you don't see a lot of people coming to thank him and so on and so forth. He got fired. Most coaches get fired. They don't get that kind of send off. It's when they retire, you get the thank you for everything coach type of things. These are guys who don't know what their what their employment's going to be next year. The last thing I want to do is come out and support a coach who got fired, basically telling your direct your <laughs> the people who are signing your paycheck, hey, why'd you get rid of the guy we liked? It's just yeah. that's not how that's not how this works. Right. So anybody who thought that is that's just ridiculous. But I like I said, even at the end of the year, they played, they kept playing. They didn't quit on him. And for a team that was as mediocre as the fire was results wise, typically that's what happens is the players quit. And I never got that sense. That's why I was a little surprised for the move, but I have no idea where they go from here. And and it doesn't sound like anybody does. I, I do know I'm excited about the new logo, which is rumored to incorporate the water tower. Interesting. In the Chicago water tower. So that's new. Uh, I've, I've not heard that. I have not followed that on Twitter, so I will trust you on that one. So that could, could be cool depending on how it's done. Yeah, I, I guess, um, you know, you and I, but we've been fire fans pretty much since day one, since the franchise started. Yeah, I think it was 03 or 04 for me that I kind okay. of came online. Yeah. And as I, as I posted earlier through my regular account, was my first game was, I think it was, I want to say it was Memorial Day weekend. It was, there was a Bodine's concert after the first game, and I was sitting in Section 8 near the back because that's where our seats happened to be. And that's how I got in t- involved with them. But it was, it was that first year. And is it, it I, I like I like the current branding. I like the red, the men in red. I like the red with the white stripe. But has it gotten stale? I mean, if you're looking for a reboot, does it? If you're not going to change the name, is, it, is that what you almost have to do? You're a, you're so. a new you're a news guy. You're a news guy. You know how you you're yeah. somebody who's been down this road of you got to get people to listen, to watch, to pay attention. Is that kind of what you have to do? Yeah, the whole thing is stale, and I didn't think that they should uh, they should change the name um, just because kind of I was afraid of what it would be, to be honest. Um, and I, I kind of think it's weird to change the name of a club, but to sort of refresh everything, I don't think that's a bad idea. So um, I, I'll give them, uh, I guess, the benefit of the doubt until I actually see what they've done and maybe it's ter- horrendous, but I'm kind of excited what they might do, so... I mean, it seems like the over the uh, the color is going to be navy blue. Does that seem what that kind of what seems to be what's going to happen? But we'll see. So, other than New England, who else is navy blue currently? That is their prominent color. Is it just New Galaxy England? Galaxy away. Yeah, the Galaxy have that, that blue, that weird blue. Yeah. Yeah. But the Galaxy are all, all about white, so that's not really right. White uniform. So since the Golden Balls year, so so realistically, it is just. It's just New England, your, isn't it? Your theory is, of course, that the seats in Soldier Field are blue, so it'll make it look less empty, right? <laughs> that, that's the theory we're going with here. It, yeah. it, tickets are going to be easy to come by, but they're back in the city, so that's not a bad thing. Um, another goings that have been long since rumored became official today. I guess that would be... You know, if Alex would do his homework, we would be able to probably have discussed his voodoo yeah. powers. Can he please stop sending quality players to Chelsea Football Club? He meets Christian Pulisic. They have a nice photo uh, done when Pulisic was in Chicago for uh, the Borussia Dortmund game last summer. And I guess this is now two summers ago. Um, summer of 18. Yeah. And what happens in January of 19, but Christian Pulisic signs for Chelsea. And at the very end of the Red Star semifinal game, if you were watching on TV, Sam Kerr signs a shoe and throws it up in the crowd to our guy Alex. And what happens a few weeks later? Sam Kerr is going to Chelsea Football Club. So this is twice now. This is a 
This is a thing to watch out for. And I'm wondering, Alex, if you are listening, can you please go meet with Unai Emery? Get a photo, maybe get an autograph. Send him to Chelsea? That would be nice. <laughs> as long as as long as he's not taking over, as long as he's not managing the Arsenal sideline anymore. Is that about correct? So I would be happy with that. Yeah. We'll take Super Frank. You could take uh you could take Unai. So Sam Kerr took the payday and went to Europe. Um, I don't blame her. No, I, I don't either. I'm sad to see her go. Yes, um, yes. It was it was rumored to be it, it was already rumored as early as what the beginning of the Women's World Cup that this move was going to happen. When it didn't happen right out of the World Cup before the season started, I was a little surprised. Um, and then after some of the numbers I had heard was what she was making with Soccer Australia. And her Red Star's minimal salary was comparable to what she'll get at Chelsea. So right, the idea is that she's making crap with the Red Stars, but the 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 W League and Soccer Australia, the W League, it. yeah, the W League and WSL combo that you're able to do with this, the way the schedule works allowed her to play in Australia, where she was getting a lot of money. Um, now she's going to do the traditional calendar when she's in Europe. So that means she can't play in Australia except for when she plays for the national team. So, but this may be a year or two, this may be her opportunity to go live in London and play for a great club and, and make a shit ton of money. And, and, you know, maybe she'll come back to the U S and if she does, I hope she plays for Chicago again, because it was great having her here. Didn't Alex Morgan do that for like just a season and came back? Was that the she one went to, like, like half a year? If that she went to Lyon because okay. remember the, the owner of Leon was getting like creepy on Twitter with her. Mm-hmm. And so she finally, I think I seriously think that my read was he thought she was hot and wanted her to come play for him. So, sure. um, which I don't disagree, dude, but, uh, she's also a pretty good player. So but yeah, she went over to, she played for Leon. Um, there were, there have been other players, uh, the, you know, we've got a few right now in the national team program that are playing over there, but, um, generally the NWSL and then, uh, Australian league combo is, is a pretty solid way com- to common path for a lot of them too. Yeah. So here's, here's my prediction way outside the box thinking with Sam Kerr is when one LAFC decides to start an NWSL team and they have, and the NWSL has established some sort of variation of the Beckham rule. That's when Sam Kerr comes back to the United States. Maybe, because maybe by then, I mean, for me, she's the best player in the world, but correct. Uh, the FIFA voters don't seem to think so. So maybe that means the, which is just a popularity contest, right? So maybe that means the general public doesn't really think so, because I guarantee you Alex Morgan is the most famous female soccer player um, based on her looks and her ability combined, and then, you know, winning the last two World Cups. Um, but yeah, for me, Sam Kerr is the best. And so if you want the best, then yes. If you're looking to, for anybody's looking to sign the most marketable player, maybe that's not Sam Kerr. No, that's going to be, it's going to be Alice Morgan or one Megan Rapino for sure. Um, so if, anyway, so Alex, um, let's use your voodoo powers to, Let's make the fire better for next season or can something you, along those lines. Can, can let's stop sending him to Chelsea. Let's let's send him to meet Burhalter. I don't know what Chelsea could do with Burhalter, but if we could. Well, I was gonna say, or can we have Alex meet Messi and then have Messi show up for the fire? Like, but he just put Messi. I in. don't think. See, I don't think that's the way his powers work. You think everything just goes to Chelsea? That's what I've seen so far. Yes, he, they actually they're trying to do it with my son. Trying to get him to go to Chelsea. It's it's yeah. I mean, with Arsenal as bad as they are, and he can watch Pulisic scoring goals wearing his jersey, uh, it seems to be working there too. So, I well, think it's just a Chelsea thing. Is that is that extrapolated onto me as well? And the fact that my son has become a Chelsea fan as well for some reason, which with, with you know what? I don't think we had Pulisic on the uh, on the list, but my God, he's going to make a lot of people Chelsea fans if he keeps this up. Well, he it, it is, and I, and for Charlie, it's because a couple of his friends at school like Chelsea, and they wear blue, which is his favorite color. And that for a seven year old, that's really all it takes. So that is a big deal. Um, and I've, yeah, I'm thinking, think, I'm, I'm starting, I'm starting to think, I'm starting to think a Pulisic jersey for Christmas might be. 
might be in the offerings for him. But he, I have, I cannot think of an example. Maybe when Drew Bledsoe got hurt and Tom Brady seized his opportunity, the way Pulisic has has seized his opportunity when he was he was out. You know, he wasn't playing. He he. I guess was working hard behind the scenes, kept a positive attitude as best he could and seized it the second he got it with the hat trick. And then since, you know, staying in there, he scored in both premier league games since then outstanding from our dude outstanding to be able to do that. And I hate having to like something that Chelsea's doing, but I will make an exception for him that what a way to seize the opportunity and, and take your chance and make it happen and run with it, and I hope he continues to have a great year. Once once he gets healthy again, because he, like everybody else, seems to be dropping out of the CONCACAF Nations coming up. Is he injured, how, yeah. or is he in? You know, is he injured, or back to our air quotes, is he injured? I think he might have a little something wrong with him, but maybe they don't want to screw up what's going, like what's happening right now at Chelsea. The club form is, is, you know. Sure. Top of the Premier League good right now. So it's in the last three. So I think they just don't want to well, screw I, it up by bringing him here and, and having him lose to Canada. I feel like the same. I feel like this. that's almost the same with Zach Steffen is. They, he has some sort of a knock. And it's just better. To, but he just played, too. So, you know, it, it's maybe it's just better that they don't come here, which, you know, this is a must win game against Canada in some ways. Um, but we're, our players are certainly not treating it as such. So, well, and, uh, according to one Ernie Stewart, this is not a must win game in that, uh, Greg Berhalter is safe no matter what happens against Canada. Now, I feel like that's almost the, the dreaded vote of confidence from your boss. Yeah, like we saw uh, Joe Mansueto say a couple months ago that he likes Pono and he was just fired today. So um, you don't typically hear your boss say if he loses, he's out. Although that may be the case. But it's gonna it's gonna bring me to my next question: If based on ticket sales, if nobody sees it, did it really happen? And I do wonder, and you know, U.S. soccer has long sort of adopted the policy that they're just going to, if we could sell two tickets that sell for a million dollars each, maybe that's better than selling, you know, X amount at at ten dollars each. It's they they don't seem to care about crowd size; they only care about gate. But everything just keeps dwindling and dwindling. Like I, I'm trying to think if. If the fire played in in Bridgeview, I, or if I'm sorry, if the U.S. national team played this game in Bridgeview, I'd probably go. If they played in Soldier Field, I'd probably go. I don't think I'd travel to Milwaukee. And under normal circumstances, that would be a no-brainer, or or a St. Louis, or some kind of you know any local drivable trip used to be a no-brainer for Chris and I, and sometimes you, TJ. And yep. now it's like I don't know. You know, <laughs> well, it, so, but we're talking about, you know, and we've talked about this many times and we think this, this to us is the biggest thing U.S. soccer has going against it right now is their ticket prices. They are trying so hard to maximize revenue. They're pricing out the average fan. And especially and for when you're what quality here for, like for what quality you're, you're a team that didn't make the World Cup. Your tickets should be ten dollars. Get people back to actually giving a crap again. You know, I. The more t- the more I'm out these days, and maybe you can speak differently to this. I see women's World Cup stuff. I see the four stars. Yeah, yeah. I don't see a lot of the men's stuff these days. No. And uh, it, you, and that's let's face it, that is the mark. Those shirts, t-shirts, all that stuff, jerseys. That's that's free advertising. And if you're not going to get people to show up to games, they're not going to buy the stuff. They're not going to, and it's. You, get, you, you haven't earned the right to charge $100 to get people in the door. I don't care if it's even U.S. and Mexico. You haven't earned that right. U.S. soccer, this is where you guys are a bunch of dumbasses. Figure it out. Get people involved again. And what it must, I, you have 8,000 people right now for the game against Canada. What the hell? Whatever you're charging, it doesn't work. Figure it yeah, out. I honestly haven't even looked, but 
um, you're right. The, that's the, the fact of the matter is if your priority is to grow the game as a nonprofit, then one way you can grow the game is by A, exposing a bunch of new people to what a game is like in person, and B, making a crowd that looks great on television for when people are watching that makes them go, wow, I should go to one of these. But when you don't do that, you're not really growing the game. So, yeah. And just because I was curious, I think the damage is done, I think is what you're running into. Getting stand, safe standing um, in Orlando. You want to get yeah. in a, a base on SeatGeek for two tickets, twenty three dollars. If you want the other end, the other end it looks like forty four dollars. The upper deck, but then again, now I'm looking about midfield on the upper on. Uh, it says row V. I, I guess are they not selling the upper upper deck? No, they're not. Sixty three dollars at midfield. The corners are thirty five. So it's about ML. I mean, it's probably it's similar to MLS pricing, but twenty three dollars to get in, and they've sold eight thousand seats. <laughs> it, it it means people are either just deciding it's just not worth their time because it's the money's cheap enough there that it's it comes down to the time, or uh, they don't even know what's happening in the first place, which you know. <laughs> It's sad. It's sad. It, it's it's and you know what? Like I'll give you an example of what maybe there's hope here. The Chicago Blackhawks hit a point of like I don't know five or six years before um, they started winning again. So maybe like two thousand three, two thousand four. They hit a point of um they were almost irrelevant in the city. Like I seriously think at one point the Fire were more popular than them. Um. They 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 were only the crazy diehards went or watched and you, you couldn't even like the the old man wouldn't even put them on TV for the home games but it 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 was so mismanaged that it got to a point of people were indifferent and when old man Wirtz died and Rocky came in and it it sort it was almost an instant you know revitalization so if the right people were in charge. Uh, you might be able to inspire some people into going again, but I think people are just like, eh, it's, you know. And again, in Rocky's defense, he did have Kane and Taves already. So, but you, but you look at, but you look at the men's side, and and we're, I get it, we're focusing on the men's side and not the women's side because the women's side has the structure, they have the coach That's in place, the they have the players, they have That's the players crazy. in place. Look, they're the best women's team in the world. And the men's and we have, team is we have men's crap. team that people are indifferent about. Yeah, and we have and, we have the best player we've ever created. I don't know if he'll go down as U.S. soccer's best player, but Christian Pulisic is the best player we have ever created right now as a country. We have him playing at the club level. Yeah, and and look look what else in theory is there with him. You, you know, you have Wea, you have Zach Steffen, you have Sergino Dest, you have Tyler Adams. Weston McKinney. Weston McKinney, soon to be Giovanni Reyna. Like it's Jordan Morris. I mean, he's 23, 20. He's not as young. I as... don't know if I include Jordan Morris in that bunch, but I, I do because his form okay. of late hat, he blew a knee out. I mean, he was out a year, but it seems like since he's been back, he, he puts an influence on a game. And I think he does have a role in this team going forward. So, yeah, maybe he's older than some of these. Other, yeah, I guess he's older, but um, you know, Jonathan Klinsman. I mean, let's face it. There, there, there is some. There is a lot of young talent coming up. Yeah, and when when Greg gets fired and and Landon takes over as national team coach, uh, the whole point of that is going to be to leave Jonathan Klinsman off the roster, right? That that and that was um, yeah, and that was that was stated on Twitter is. As to those who are following the lower levels, the San Diego Loyal, the new USL championship side, their first coach and general manager is one Landon Donovan. Yeah, I don't know who you you stole that joke off Twitter and told it to me earlier. And so I just regurgitated your joke, by the way. I don't know who said that on Twitter, but whoever did, good job. That was not my joke. I don't mean to steal a joke. I, and I will attribute to I'm not one Dan- Danny. Nope, but Danny Santa, Santa Marita, who... From Chicago, 
was the one with that joke. So we will Excellent. give him thank you, proper, you. <laughs> proper credit on that one. That was it was outstandingly said. Um, you win a minivan dad soccer pod T-shirt. We have to create those at some point, I guess. Then you could you could do the the one that we use for US Fan TV. They have no minimum order now. They have no minimum order now. Well, that's something we to could have minivan dad soccer. I want you know what? Let's do it. All right, we can I'm do putting that. Putting it on list. I'll throw this together for you tomorrow. All right, because you have a lot of other things to do. So, um, yeah. So, I guess in the other takeaway is um, on his, on Landon's bench, and it will be he'll have a one of his assistants will be a female coach, and I I don't remember the name off the top of my head because I didn't write this down like I usually do, and it'll be the highest. It'll be the first female assistant at a top two you on a men's team, top two level in the men's league. So until Jill Ellis gets the fire job. I, we joke about, or do we joke about it or is there some, tra- <laughs> I'm not against it. I, I've been on the record of saying I would not be against that hire. I would love to see it. You want, again, you want to be relevant. That's a way and to, maybe she'd fail. Maybe I would love to see it. You want to become relevant again. That's one way to do it. Bring some players in with it and, it can be done. Um, Do you know that Jill Ellis was the head uh, coach at the University of Illinois when I was there? And I didn't know that until I read her bio years later. Well, there are connections to Chicago so that way. She's got some, yeah, she's got some Illinois ties. Illinois. There the Illinois, yeah. yeah. I, I, could you, do you call Champion Suburb of Chicago? Not in proximity, but in spirit, it kind of is with all the students being from Chicago. So, I, I would say it's as much of a, a suburb as Milwaukee is, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I guess to finish the show, we're at an hour and three. So, but I did want to touch on this because we do need, we definitely need to. We are such Zlatan apologists. Zlatan today made it official. What everybody else already knew, he is leaving the LA Galaxy for somewhere else, but. They mutually agreed not to extend to cancel. Well, I guess was there maybe there was a year left on his contract and something like that. He accomplished so much. He did. Um, and or did he? <laughs> well, no, that's kind of the point. He didn't really. He he won some El Trafico battles and did some entertaining crap. Well, but the quote from the Zlatan and you know. This is the voice of God talking, so we do need to take this under advisement. I came, I saw, I conquered. Thank you, LA Galaxy, for making me feel alive again. To the Galaxy fans, you wanted Zlatan. I gave you Zlatan. You are welcome. The story continues. Now go back to watch baseball. What did he conquer? You said El Trafico. El Trafico. And he, he scored some pretty goals. I'm glad he came here. Overall. But I don't know that it was a overly successful, at least not from a team standpoint time at LA Galaxy. At least not from an LA Galaxy standpoint. I mean, this is a team that's used to winning, and they didn't do a great job of it when Zlatan was there. No, and and I, th- I think I think it was Stu Holden that posted something uh, along the line. The Galaxy be, will be better without Zlatan. Probably. However, I'm gonna, uh, however, I will. It, it, I think his other thing was I will miss Zlatan, and that might be the most accurate thing. I think the Galaxy will be better without him. But at the same time, I will miss Zlatan for exactly what you said. Some of the goals he scored were absolutely insane. And just, the, I think I think L.A., New York, Paris maybe, might be some of the only places on this earth that can handle Zlatan's ego. He seemed like a, mat, a natural match for L.A. So I was yeah. kind of surprised to see him give it up so quick, give up so quickly to head back to Europe. But I don't know. Do we blame um, Jamie Vardy's wife for this as well? Probably. Unless he's going to Chelsea, then it was Alex. Okay, so when he shows up at Chelsea, we blame Alex. Is that the idea? Yeah, I think so. So, okay. So this is the Minivan Dad Soccer Pod. It can be found on all your favorite podcasting areas. It's SoundCloud, uh, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Tell your friends, rate it five stars, subscribe, do all that kind of fun stuff so we can grow the show. Apparently, Pat's going to work on T-shirts, so we'll have some Christmas gifts for the Christmas holiday type things for those who are interested. What are your final thoughts this week, Pat? Uh, that even though we're without the without conspiracy, Chris. Uh, I don't really. You know what? Other than if you have an idea of what should go on the Minivan Dad Soccer Pod T-shirt, besides the Minivan Dad Soccer Pod logo, 
if there's any conspiracy, Chris and the hat guy with TJ, or I mean, you should probably get first billing on your podcast. Or if there's like a keep on trucking or whatever you think should go on the shirt, if there's any special things that need to go on it, let us know. Maybe we'll consider them. I think we'll absolutely consider them because we really have nothing else we're going at. We're kind of making this up as we go along tonight. So definitely send your ideas to minivandadpod on Twitter for your ideas for the new shirt. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. I I guess we'll finish with uh, uh, the famous words of Conspiracy Chris with, you're done. You are done. 